0: today not last Wednesday <clears throat> first of off I do want to thank my pastors from letting me do this having faith in me to present this word uh, it's it's an honor every time you get to come up here and I want to thank y'all a bunch appreciate it I also want to thank Serena for always being there with me supporting me loving me for being amazing, beautiful, smart, malev- mag- magnificent—I'm sorry—I have—I have trouble reading her handwriting. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Uh, sir, actually, a, a lot of a lot of this message comes from uh, a little bit of what uh, how Serena talks to God. <laughs> so, we read a book called *Frequency* by Robert Morris, and alive couple of years back, and uh, what I liked most about that book was how he talked about how God would talk to him. I think I've told you all this before, how how he explained God talking to him, it pressed on his spirit, and as he was talking, as he was reading, reading this book, like, it just was real how how it was, and I, I really liked it, and so I asked God, I was like, God, I, don't want to, I want you to talk to me like that, like, if you can talk to Rob Moore like that, you can talk to me like that, and uh, that's how he started talking to me, and it's just been it's, it's been really cool, and uh, over the past couple of probably two months, uh, two two months ago about a month and a half ago, Serena started waking up at 3.30 in the morning every night, shot up awake, and she, God was talking to her through a dream, and she would wake up, and God would just download into her. And she'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's great. And she'd write it down, then she'd go back to sleep. And she told me about it, and I was like, man, I, I, I want that. I was jealous. I said, God, I want you to do that for me. And sure enough, last Tuesday, that happened. And right about 3.30, I popped up awake. And uh, I had already been prepared for Wednesday service, had a message prepared. And then God downloaded something completely different into me. um, And I thought it was, I was ready. Um, So I woke up, wrote it down, and I was unable to go back to sleep because I was so excited. So I asked God not to talk to me about like that again because I like to sleep. (laughs) Um, uh, So he hasn't, so that's good. Um, But he is still talking to me. But, you know, yeah. but no, yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, and that happened last Tuesday. And so I was pumped and ready to preach last Wednesday cause I thought it was first Wednesday. I was pumped. I was super Christian that morning, guys. I woke up, I was praying all the way to work. I was ready for my mess. I was preaching it to nobody in the car with me, got to work, sent a message to our pastors, thanking them Be come expecting tonight to minister to your people. They're like, okay, well, didn't know it was this week. <laughs> Thought it was next week. Be expecting next week. So they've had a full week to expect, and I've had a full extra week to uh, prepare. And this is a little bit different for me because typically when I, when I preach, I use one, maybe two scriptures. That's it. And I just focus really hard on those scriptures and have a revelation on the scripture, and I try to reveal it and do a lot of study in that scripture. I've got a lot more scriptures today than I'm used to to using, so bear with me. If it's a lot, take notes. If it's too much, I'm sorry it's not for you. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about expectations. We're going to talk about three different types of expectations. I'm going to go a little bit in detail with each one of the three. And the three types I want to talk about, what to expect from our church, what to expect from the pastors, and what God expects from us. Um. Part of this dream that I had um, was a dream, and it was about the expectations that the Christians today have about when they come to church, about about what their pastors are supposed to do or what God has called for them in their life. And the dream was telling me that what their expectations were were not lined up with what the Word said. And so our expectations as a whole, not necessarily you specifically, Angela, but expectations as a whole were not lining up with what the Word said. And so I just started to do a whole bunch of studying, and it's been, it's been great. Um, so the first one, we want to talk about what we expect from church. And so I want to ask each and every one of y'all when we start this is why you come to church. What is your Why? why do you come to church? Why did you come tonight? Why did you come to CCAM? Why do you come each and every Sunday? And I'm so happy that I get to do a Wednesday night service with this message because these are the people that want to be at church, right? These aren't the ones that... The, the, I'm talking to the believers here. I'm talking to the ones that say, you know, what? I'm going to sacrifice my Wednesday night to come listen to this stinking Joel Gray talk. Appreciate that, by the way, Terry. <clears throat> But I want you all to be thinking about why you come to church. Um, If you think about the different types of churches that there are, even in Minden, each church operates a little differently in the Spirit. And what I've realized is that different churches flow differently in the Spirit because the congregation moves the Holy Spirit with their faith or their expectations. So, as a collective body of people that are expecting the same thing on Sundays, they direct the Holy Spirit to what's going to happen. Think about the Baptist. I love the Baptist. In their name, it is the Baptist. They expect people to get saved and to get baptized, and that's what they do better than anybody else. It's in their name, Baptist. They expect it to happen. If you think about the Pentecostal church, they expect the Holy Spirit to be, that you to be slain in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They expect crazy things on Sundays at the altar. And things happen in the name of Jesus because they expect that. If you think about the Methodist church, not only in Minden, but as an organization as a whole, they expect to serve the community that they're in. If you go all the way back to John Wesley, he was a server. So, you know, Everyone that I know of, all the way, that I've, every little town I've been into, they either have some type of meal plan, some type of ramp service, some type of thing to service their community because that's, what the, that's how they move in the Holy Spirit. So again, I want to ask y'all why y'all come to church. And we're going to circle back around to that in a little while. Um, you know, I want to tell y'all a story about me. So about two-ish years ago, Um, I came to church and I was like, "Oh man, this this morning, I'm going to encounter God." I knew it. I was ready for it. I needed it. Um, It's what my heart wanted. And I was down here and I was worshiping. And uh, the song was um, "No Place I Would Rather Be." One of the first times we had sang that song, I was like, "Oh man, there, there is no place I would rather be right now, God, than here in Your presence." And I'm just crying out to God. I'm like, God, I, w- I want your presence. And I knew it was the third song of the day, so it was going to be the last one. And I'm sitting down there, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying like, God. I said, I don't want it to stop. I said, let's just do it again. Let me stay in your presence a little while longer in carried this, carried this up here. And it was Greg's turn to preach, and he comes up here. And I'll never forget it. Greg picked up the microphone, and he went to talk, and he couldn't speak. And he began to, he, he began to weep. And Greg said, okay, Father, we'll stay here. He said, we're going to do that one one more time, guys, and I don't know why. And immediately I, I heard God. He said, this, this is just for you. Just me that morning changed the course of what the Spirit was going to do because Greg was sensitive enough to the Spirit to understand that God said, hey, we need one more. Well, I just cried like a baby that Sunday morning. I like a. <laughs> Everybody probably thought I was crazy that morning because if nobody else got it, yeah, I know, right? If nobody else got it, I did. Um, and everything I'm talking about is biblical. If you look at Matthew seven, I'm I'm, I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you Matthew seven, seven through eight. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Anything you look for, you will find. So if we think about that as a whole, if every person as a whole is looking for the same thing and everybody's knocking on the same door, that's why those doors are opening in those, in those places, in those, in those areas. We're going to circle back around to expectations that we have on the church after a while. We're going to talk about what to expect from pastors. Um, I did a lot of research into this section because I was unfamiliar with what the word said about it. But I came across a very cool article that said uh, two big misconceptions about pastors. And I read through the article. And then I found another article that had this that, that talked about the exact same thing. And then another one that had the same thing. And there's two main, two big misconceptions about the pastor. And they're termed two different things. We'll talk about the first one. It says pastor as CEO. It's a business term, right? We think that the pastor is supposed to be the CEO of this enterprise that we call CCAM or church or the Methodist church, the Baptist church, whatever it is. We think about the head pastor as the CEO. And we think that he, he is supposed to be expected to put business principles in the church and to grow the church's numbers and make this miraculous thing as a CEO would of a business. Well, sometimes business principles don't line up with what the word says. And sometimes numerical growth does not equal spiritual growth. I'd much rather a church of 80 people that are devoted to serving and to... Influencing the people around them than a church of a thousand people that just show up on Sunday morning, and so you can't put that principle, concept behind a pastor. And the second was is is the second term is called pastor as priest. Pastors are not like the priest of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Priests were the only ones able to come into the presence of God. They would receive words. They would receive manuscripts called the Ten Commandments, whatever it was. And they would be given to them to speak to them. So, you know, Moses would go up on the mountain and come back down and tell God, tell people what he heard. Today we don't have that problem. We can go into the presence of God just as ourselves. And so we're placing a lot of (laughs) expectations on a pastor to be a priest when we don't have to go to him to get to him. I'm going to let y'all in a little secret. Pastors don't have an extra spiritual juice that they get from God just because they're called pastor. There's no anointing that can be placed on Greg, Paul, that you can't get. There's nothing that you can't receive without them. All right? So if that's the case, then what are they here for? We're dismissed. <laughs> so the, the word pastor um, that we get translated uh, from the Greek word in the New Testament, I'm talking about the New Testament, is is from the word poindeman, P-O-I-N-M-E-N, and it appears 18 times in the New Testament. Only one time is that word translated as the word pastor, and it's in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Pull that up for me. Now, these are the gifts gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We've heard the term equipping of the saints, right? Right? the that's that is the time it's, that's in ephesians eleven is the time it comes up as the word pastor. The other seventeen times in the in the New Testament where it comes up it's actually translated into the word shepherd it 's not translated as pastor it's translated as shepherd The same word gets two different meanings in our in our translation, but the Greek word that every time it comes up is shepherd what is uh i I want to I talk to you a little bit about how what What Jesus said to Peter when he was talking, and he he called called him a shepherd. uh, Pull up John 21, 16. He he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. This is after a couple of times I'm saying, like, do you love me? He said, yes. He says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus asked him to show he loved him by shepherding sheep. And this call is not just for these four here. The call of a shepherd is for each and every one of us. Right? That's why it's only termed one time pastor because the entire body of Christ are called to be many shepherds. Let's put it, let, let's, let's term it that way. They're termed to be many shepherds. I was having a conversation with Terry about this a couple of weeks ago, and and yes, Terry, some of this, some of that conversation we had sparked from this. He was talking to me, and I apologize, I didn't ask you about this. He was talking to me, you know, he was, he was venting to me, talking to me about, you know, his, some of his friends that he wants to see in the church, and he made this statement, you know, like, you know, if I were to bring my friends in the church, like, I don't think they'd get saved, and I just said, they wouldn't. That's not the way it's supposed to go. The goal is for us to get built up from our pastors, be equipped to go out and shepherd the people that we interact with to create an, our own little flock. Right? So, if that's the case, then the pastors are just shepherds to shepherds. Shepherds to shepherds, as us being the shepherds. His job is to equip all of us shepherds to go out and to make little mini flocks, not to start many churches. <laughs> But to go out and get three or four people a year, call it that, I don't, whatever it is, and those people come in here, and then those people start building up their faith, and then they go out and influence more people. Because I can tell you, the people that Terry's friends, Greg just can't talk to. He can't say, hey, man, do you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? It ain't going to work. <laughs> like, that's not the way that it's intended to work. That's That's the thing, you know. We are all accountable for people that we interact with. God has placed people in your life, whether you want to believe it or not, that only you are responsible for, that only you are able to reach, and if you can't, who will? Because if we put this this idea of the pastor as the priest and the pastor, I'm, maybe I'll just get John to the church and Paul will get him saved. That's a lot of expectation on him. That's not biblical. Each and every one of us are called to be shepherds. It starts in Genesis. Genesis 1, man was created to have dominion over this earth and to shepherd the entire world, to to, to, to be the ruler of everything. You go into Deuteronomy 6, parents are, are, are called to lead their children. 1 Peter chapter 3, husbands are called to leave their wives. Lead their wives, not leave. <laughs> Serena 1, Joel 0. <laughs> Titus 2, older women are, are, are called to counsel the younger women. 1 Timothy chapter 3, pastors are to lead the churches. So many times throughout the Bible, we each and in, each and every individual is called to lead somebody else. The sad part is that we put way too much expectations where they ex, where they're not supposed to be. <clears throat> So what is the call of it, but what should we expect from the pastors, right? Let's go to 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. <clears throat> care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because, of your, for your eager, because you are eager to serve God. Do not lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own A good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown for never-ending glory and honor. That is a call for all of us. But the call of a pastor has, has four, main, four main points. And we'll talk about in a little bit of each. Protect the sheep, feed the sheep, lead the sheep, and care for the sheep. Those are the four things that a pastor is intended to do. Obviously, there's more than that. There's the ones that I've, I've decided to preach on day, So you can trademark Joel Gray for. Protect the sheep, feed the sheep, lead the sheep, care for the sheep. The true task of a pastor is to lead, to take people where they otherwise wouldn't go. To take someone where they wouldn't be willing to go without you. If you look at a protection, protection in the form of a pastor usually comes in the form of exhortation, the calling out of sins in your lives. The, you know, pastors preaching about things that you don't want them preaching about a lot of the times. Um, normally, it's protection from our own selves because we are our own worst enemies. Obviously, there are some times where they have to, you know, um, steer us away from false prophets and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's to protect us. The second one is to feed the sheep. So, sheep by nature, I'm glad Travis isn't here to get on to me about anything I say wrong about sheep. He has sheep or a sheep. He knows about sheep. Sheeps. Is sheep plural? Look at all those sheep. Sheeps. Shear. Nope. Um, so sheep by nature graze. Um, they eat on their own. You put them in a field, they'll eat. Very similar to a cow. They graze all the time. Um, but in order to put weight on a sheep, you have to feed it particular things. Give it better nutrients. Give it better, better stuff. In the winter when the grass isn't growing, they have to provide it hay. That's the job of a shepherd is to feed the sheep when there is no food that's there. As a sheep... A sheep still eats, but in order to get bigger and fatter, you have to be fed by the shepherd. So just as believers, we are called to graze and feed ourselves, but we should also grow spiritually from our pastors. I think a lot of times we have an expectation of, all right, Sunday morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear from God, from what the pastor says, and then Wednesday, I'm going to hear from Greg. And, and Sunday, I'm going to go back. If a sheep only ate twice a week, it would starve. And I think a lot of times our expectations are, I'm just going to starve and be a little baby sheep and be real skinny and malnourished. But us as Christians, we have to feed ourselves when we're not around our shepherds. We don't need to be the, the lone sheep every single week going over there and somebody's got to pull you back but we also have to draw from a well to grow spiritually where we couldn't go ourselves from our pastors a shepherd leads his sheep our job as as, as sheep is to follow our shepherd it's to go where we are called to go by our shepherd but ultimately, we're not going to do anything that's outside of the will of God. But our, our our main goal is to follow our sheep as his goal is to lead. Hear from God on what we're supposed to do as a, as, as a C, SCCAM, as whatever church it is. And then deliver the vision and we follow that vision and make sure it happens. Because I think a lot of times people think, all right, well, you know. What's the vision? How are you going to get us there? No, 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 no. You tell me what the vision is, and you tell tell me what the vision is so I can get us there. That should be the goal of the sheep, is to help the shepherd get to where we're going. Because if you think about a shepherd, most of the time they're in the back, herding the sheep where they're supposed to go, and they're led by the pack. We have it reversed today. We let them do all the leading, and we stay in the back and make them come back and pick us up every week. And the last one I said was care for their sheep. Sheep are intended to, like, by nature, they have to have someone take care of them. Um, the, the Bible has a lot of context and a lot of analogies with Different things that a lot of times we don't understand because we don't actually shepherd sheep. Um, but one of the context is that let's pull it up. Psalms twenty-three, five. Let's pull this one up. I want to look, I I look at this real quick. This is a Psalm twenty-three is one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible. i we'll just look at ch- verse five. It says, "You you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with His blessings." You can leave that up there for a while, but You honor me by anointing my head with oil. So many times in the Bible it talks as you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. In those times, people saw that as an analogy because the shepherds would anoint their sheep's heads with oil because, see, the sheep would get their heads and get caught in briars. Their heads would get caught in a briar and they couldn't get out bugs will crawl in their nostrils. Flies will fly in their nostrils and they'll, they'll, they'll plant worms and the worms will get into their brain and they beat their heads on the, on, the, on the stones and try to get the worms out and they'll kill themselves that way. Their eyes are susceptible to, to bugs. Their ears are susceptible. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly having to take my little dog Reese to get his ears clean because the way that his ears work is because they, it keeps moisture. Sheep are the same way. And so when, the, when a shepherd would anoint their head with oil, it would prevent, their, for, for prevent them from getting stuck in the briars and would keep the, the, the uh, insects off their face. If you think about this in the terms of, of what he's talking about, the shepherd is to anoint their sheep's head with oil so that they can't have things attacking their brain attacking their mind so that they don't get caught up in the world and bang their head and just try the same thing over and over and then die. So many times we don't allow our pastors to anoint our heads with those metaphorically speaking. We don't allow them to pour into us. We don't allow the people on top of us to pour into us to be able to break through the demons that continue to try to come into your brain because a lot of the misconceptions that Christians like, oh, I love Jesus. I'm, I am a new man in Christ. I am, I am not the same person. That's 100% true. But those demons are still the same demons and they're still going to come at you. You're still going to struggle with the same things you've always struggled with a little bit. And the further you get away from God, the closer you get to to the enemy. And so those, those those flies trying to attack your mind, trying to come at you, the demons that are trying to say, hey, you you know you 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 should be depressed or you should whatever it is whatever demon you struggle with. The misconception is that that won't ever happen again. Well, it's going to. And the best way to prevent that is to be fed by the shepherd, fed by your church, and to be anointed daily. And then your cup overflows with blessings. It's in that order. You anoint my head with oil, then my cup overflows with blessings. In order to be an effective Christian, our cup must be filled so we can pour the Holy Spirit out into the people we're called to influence you can 't influence the people you can 't be a a, a productive sh- shepherd if your cup 's always dry. One of the things that i 've seen with 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 churches or or just altar calls in my entire life is the majority of altar calls vast majority of altar calls. The perception that the either the pastor is speaking or the minister is speaking is that you have to be on your very last edge you have to be at the rock bottom you got to be. Oh, only God can save me, fill me up, God. That's not what the altar's for. <laughs> is it a good place? Absolutely. I've had my encounters at the, at the altar when I'm at my lowest lows. But I've had way more encounters when I'm about halfway full, and God, I need to be filled. That's what the altar's for. Because if the cup is empty, you cannot pour it out. Go to Matthew nine thirty-five through 38. So Jesus was moving through um, the different villages. <clears throat> he traveled through all the towns and the villages of an area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion over them because they were confused and helpless like a shepherd without a sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of, a, of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. That's the same prayer that Jesus is praying today. The harvest is full, but the workers are few. Are, are few. It's a sad, sad truth to know that the expectations that the majority of Christians have is that the only place somebody can get saved is at the church. The only place someone can get changed is at a youth camp, at a camp. When the truth is the harvest is ripe, guys, our mending... Everywhere is calling out for help, but the workers to harvest those, that helplessness is few. And it's our job as Christians to be the one to step up and say, hey, that's my job. That ain't on you, Paul. That ain't on you, and Greg. That ain't on you, Greg. It's on you to build me up. Make me who I'm supposed to be so I can go out there. Force me to do the things I don't want to do. Take me to places I necessarily don't want to go by myself. But make me do those things so I can do what God's called me to do. Because one day, I'm telling you, one day, whether you get into heaven or not, when you get to the pearly gates, you will be held accountable for the things that you've done and the people that you influenced. I don't want to be there and say, oh my gosh, I failed Bob. Not you, Bob. I don't want to be... Look I don't I don't want God to show me this face and say, hey man, I put this person in your life and you were unwilling to sacrifice X to do it. And he won't be in heaven because of you. So what are your expectations for CCAM? I say that our expectations need to begin to change. I say that our expectations need to need to shift to striving to pull from the people that are supposed to be pulled from and forced enough, forcing us to be what we've been called to be. Because just like I was talking about as a corporate anointing, a corporate expectation, regardless of whatever anybody wants to do, if our expectation is one thing, it's going to happen. When you go to... I don't know if you've ever ever been on a mission trip or you've seen or you've heard the stories that Paul's talked about or that Greg's talked about or that you've seen on books or series. The healings that take place, the miracles that take place, it has absolutely nothing to do with T.L. Osborne. It has absolutely nothing to do with the man that's standing up there I could take CJ and put him up there and the expectations that the people have that God's going to move through CJ, it would happen. Has nothing to do with the man, has everything to do with the expectation of the people. So when I come to CCM, I expect to worship God. I expect to get into the presence during worship. I expect to to be fed from the pulpit and I expect for my cup to be filled up so that I can take it into the people that I encounter. Praise and worship team does an amazing job every Sunday. They can only take it so far. <laughs> we show up with an expectation. It's going to come down. We show up with an expectation. Word is going to start flowing and lives will, be, will start to be changed that we've never seen before. You know, I've seen this church go through a lot of different people. One of the parts of my dream was that I actually saw faces of people that I'd had intimate conversations with about being called into the fivefold ministry, being called to this church, being called to change the world. Probably over a hundred people in the, in the last 17 years of this church, probably over a hundred, and their heart was pure. But their expectations were wrong. They expected somebody else to do it for them. And that's not the way it is. I want to look 17 years from now and see each and every one of y'all's faces either here or serving in some church. And if our expectations won't change, this vicious cycle will continue to happen. And we'll see people come in and out of churches. We'll see people come in and out of ups and downs, highs and lows, and never breaking through to what God's called us to do. So today, I'm going to have an expectation on our pastors. And I've already asked them to get ready for tonight. And I'm glad that there's not a whole lot of people here this mo- th- today because it's going to be a long line. Um, you know, as I said at the beginning, they don't have any special anointing on them that, that, that anybody else can't have. But, as shepherds of this flock, their job is to anoint our heads with oil so that we can be equipped to do and fill our cups up and so we're going we're going we're going make them do their job today <laughs> we're going to make them get their money's worth um, and anybody that would like to be anointed by your pastors today we're going to do that today um, so no there's not going to be a band playing today it 's just going to be uh some music playing and uh I would I would highly encourage you to to test your heart to know whether you should or should not change your expectations because when you start saying I'm going to do one thing and you ask God to say hey my expectations are about to change he will start pushing you to do things that you don't want to do so please do not come up here <laughs> And get anointed with oil to get your cup overflowed if you don't want to pour it out. So, would y'all come up here and me and Serena are going to be the first ones. Um, We can turn the lights down if y'all want to, however y'all want to do it, but...